0: The Old World is Ending, and we have the opportunity to rethink everything. This is a show about the structural problems in our world and the real solutions that we have today to transition from an apocalyptic storm of war, scarcity, and ecological collapse into a collaborative and sustainable futuristic society that serves all life. You may think it's an impossible dream, but the alternative is an inevitable nightmare. We're your hosts, Zachary Marlowe, Matt Holton, and Amanda Smith, and together when we can move past this economic absurdity to come together and actualize our collective potential to create something completely new. We are Moneyless Society. right. so I was going to write out an intro for this episode because it's a really important topic. One of the root of all roots of our disorder our disconnection from nature. But today, uh, I'm, I'm out of it, right? Uh, news has got my blood pressure about to sp- explode. Construction on my window, sirens in the distance, world is ending, what's new? I'm in New York City, it's almost 100 degrees, I haven't even been able to move all day. I, I just feel completely unmobilized by this heat p- pulsing through the concrete, and metal, glass of this this false world. It's oppressively hot because hum- humanity has been burning carbon in industrial slag heaps like this pollution machine of a city for so long that we've we've altered our climate of this whole planet, and we just have to sweat it out, which is the least of our worries. I, I just feel I feel trapped, and caged in in this unnatural, like completely artificial environment. Like nothing in this environment is natural, nor normal or intuitive. Piles of garbage, you know, up to my waist out my window. It's normal. It's normal and even when i do see patches of nature it's like they're here despite all our efforts to destroy them like they're an aberration or something i in mean, this wasteland and the only trees are in those these little con- disconnected islands of parched dirt in a sea of concrete that's how i feel right now and, and that's that's a mic a microcosm of the whole society that we're living in we're parched we're deprived of of everything we really need to live living in a way that is totally unintuitive to us that we just continually are gaslit into thinking is normal is natural is you know progressive is an advancement some we're deprived of some deeper connection to the world we live in and to uh, who we really are and that's that's a microcosm of the whole society that we're living in we're we're parched we're deprived of of any deeper connection to the world around us to you know how we have evolved to live and who we really are today's show is hopefully going to be able to slake that thirst and provide us with some life-giving insight help us get back into who we really are our guest today is joining us from hawaii wild quetzal is a nature-based content creator and teacher reminding people who they've always been so quetzal what what does that mean to you to be
1: disconnected from nature for sure. Absolutely. Like the dominant culture of like the West is definitely predominantly disconnected from nature. And to me, what that means is being disconnected from yourself. And ultimately, you know, I, I think we uh, uh, we kind of look at nature as trees and the wildlife and all these things, but we don't instinctively or intuitively recognize ourselves at this moment in time as a part of nature. So when I say we're disconnected from nature, it's really rooted in being disconnected from ourselves and so my mission and my goal is to remind people of themselves of their own nature and to reconnect with that nature because i believe that that's where it starts and if you have a relationship with yourself and you know who you are i think that will naturally lead you to commune with other parts of yourself that we call nature which is like the wildlife and trees and stuff like that but I think we have to recognize who we are first, and, and then that will take you on that trajectory.
0: I mean, we live such automated, mechanized lives, and so much of our lives are are taken up with labor, where we perform these machine-like, repetitive tasks. People really forget; they forget that they are natural beings. They forget who they are, and and I think every one of us can attest to that. That can that we 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 get lost in this world because it's not intuitive. It wasn't really designed. To meet our actual needs it wasn't really designed for us as humans i mean it it was designed for a system that isn't that that actually goes against you know the true values of nature
1: i think that we we uh we obviously created this as humans we we created the system but at first i i think that it was uh we we're trying to escape a natural situation we didn't like the fact that we didn't have abundance of food or in the way that we do now we didn't we didn't like that there was day-to-day things to be done to to survive or to thrive in, in a given environment so we wanted to kind of go around that natural order of things that's why we domesticated food that's why we uh you know built civilizations that hoard all the resources so all this has been kind of culminating but in the process. Uh, like you said, we we lost ourselves and we lost that connection with ourselves, which we were not accounting for because we didn't have the wisdom, like a lot of traditional people have, and, and they they stick with to not deviate from the natural order of things because there's consequences to that. So what we're seeing now is just the repercussions or consequences of that decision that we took to remove ourselves from the natural environment because we didn't want to accept or embrace. That position that we were in.
0: So on your channel, I watched a really interesting video that was basically titled like, what is indigenous or what does it mean to be indigenous? And I spent a lot of time in the, the climate movement and um, in activist circles. And I think it's almost a cliche at this point that indigenous wisdom, indigenous solutions are the most prime and direct solutions to uh, the problems of climate change, the problems of industrialized society. So what, what does that actually mean? I mean, it's, it's, it's been repeated so much that I think a lot of people don't even really understand what it means to be indigenous. What, what does that mean to you?
1: I have a meaning that I have for myself that I reflect on and it might not be you know uh, what other people see it as, but to me, it's to have a relationship to a certain place. So we are all really indigenous to the earth, right? We all come from the earth. But the thing is that a lot of us have been born in, in situations that insulated from the actual natural earth so even though we're born on planet earth we're born into simulated environments that insulate us from having that relationship with a particular place so you might be born in Los Angeles, you might be familiar with the streets, the restaurants, the businesses but you're not familiar with what's under that, what was originally there which is like the natural landscapes the the flora and the fauna of the place that we now now call a Los Angeles, right? So that's what indigenous means to me is to reclaim and have that relationship with a particular place. So, you know, I encourage everybody to reach within themselves and reclaim that indigenous part of themselves because at the end of the day, we're all human beings and we have the capacity to relate to land, to relate to the earth in this way. So some people will say like, well, indigenous people are traditional people that are still living that life way. But my focus, because that's where I come from, is to remind those people that come from where I come from to, to awaken that within them. Because the people that are already doing it, they're already sustainable, right? They're already in the Amazon living in completely sustainable harmony. And my message isn't for them. They already know what I'm talking about. That's just their life. But for the people who come from where I come from, and who feel that like you're saying that part that's missing, that's who my message is for to to that indigenousness within them.
0: So Amanda and I are both from the South, and um, and we have a we have a really interesting relationship with with like land in the South. You know, I think people really prize like being rural and being, you know, getting dirt on their knees and you know going outside and going mudding and all that stuff. But it's a really kind of like parasitic relationship with nature. Amanda, can you kind of speak to that?
2: Oh, certainly. Well, as we all know in the South, the narrative is very much, what can we get out of something? Sure. We have this sweet Southern etiquette, but we very much just, and I say we, because again, yes, I'm from the South, but luckily I've learned better. But uh, anyway, speaking overall, the narrative and the paradigm, uh, the way of thinking in the South, is very much just what can we get out of the land? What can we get out of each other? It's very much an exploitative relationship that is had with nature, uh, and very and, and, and it's ironic because you know the South is known to be um, populated mostly by farmers and even plantations and uh, just you know hundreds of miles and acres of crops, yet people still view themselves as completely separate from. The land that they're tilling and cultivating and the things that they're demanding from the land, they still see themselves separate from. And to me, that's just that blows my mind. Uh, but when it comes to that narrative and the fact that people are so prone to see themselves as completely separate from the earth, uh, when you say, you know, uh, I encourage people to look within and get back in touch with nature and so on and so forth, would you would you agree that the reason some people are hesitant is because they automatically assume that to be, quote unquote, in touch with nature is to be primitive? And it's like automatically people think they have to go backwards in order to have a strong relationship with nature.
1: I think people definitely do perceive things in that linear way where they believe that time as it progresses, that we, that we're progressing, right? So the higher the year count is the more advanced we are, but I don't look at nature and the processes as linear. It's more of a cyclical, you know, Uh, it's more of like, you're either in balance with nature or you're not right now. We're not imbalance with nature, and it doesn't matter what technologies we create or how advanced we seem, if it's not sustainable, that's not the pattern that I want to give energy to because a natural system is, is, you know, sustainable infinitely, and and it goes through different cycles, sure, but I think when people think about um, getting back to nature, they don't realize that they're missing something very valuable. And it's easy to just say, well, that's just, we came from that, but they don't, they're not realizing that the, that what they can get out of that relationship is so valuable because they've never had that relationship and they they don't see the benefits in it. They are just seeing how it could maybe be a uh, inconvenience or, or they're just focused on, like you said, like people look at it as an exploitative relationship. So they say, well, what can I get out of nature? They don't really know because that's not the kind of thing that you can kind of quantify in that way to where like oh i received uh, x amount of, of fulfillment or x amount of o- oxygen and clean air like it's just harder to quantify these things whereas you know in the civilized world we can give people money and they can kind of very clearly quantify and measure you know certain levels of, of success in that world you know but in the natural world it's more something that you have to feel
0: well Quantifying things in that way, I mean, something especially as fundamental as oxygen and water. I mean one of the most nightmarish things I've heard in my lifetime is people talking about how water is now a resource that's going to be traded on the market, and that there are going to be wars waged over water, and it's like how could you put a price tag on something that comprises us that's something that is life itself? and it's it's that that's the <clears throat> the corrosion of this money mentality and of this infinitely reductive, quantified separated worldview where you don't see the value in completeness. You don't see the value and the wholeness in, you know, being a part of something that is, you know, this, this beautiful cyclical, you know, completely connected cycle of life. My, my greatest nightmare, one of my greatest nightmares, I do do a lot of traveling. I've traveled all over the United States. I've traveled to Guatemala. I've traveled in Eastern Eastern uh, Europe. I've traveled, you know, and the, the greatest nightmare for me is to go someplace and to just see it become the exact same, identical, cubed off, infinitely reduced, compartmentalized suburb. You know where everything is the same. It's the same brands. It's the same cubes of of uh, of McDonald's, Burger King, Chipotle, Chipotle Target. All of these things. But it's like I've traveled a thousand miles from where I can't. I grew up in the suburbs. You know, in I think the you know one of the most disconnected environments imaginable. And to travel a thousand miles and to see like the suburbs of Los Angeles look exactly the same. It's like, I haven't been anywhere. It's like, there's no diversity at all. It's like the same thing. That's terrifying to me to, to imagine a world that is completely reduced and, and replicated to be this that's progress to people and any sense of progress that is actually antithetical to human health and happiness and to like our spiritual well-being is not progress at all. So anybody who thinks that going back to nature is a regression, it's like, Anything that skips nature is a detour. We, we can't get home if we don't go through nature, which is ourself.
1: Right, right. You're always going to come back to the source. Like you can try to elude it or run away from it. But at the end of the day, that's why there's so many conversations right now happening about uh, climate change, about sustainability. Because at the end of the day, if this earth is not healthy, if we can't perpetually, you know, have this relationship of, of, of taking resources and putting it back into the... If it's if it's not healthy, then everything else that we're doing does not exist. Like, civilization does not exist without nature. Nature is the original world where everything comes from. And, and the sooner we realize that and have a relationship with that, the more we can move in, in different ways, you know. Uh, have you seen my video about uh, cancers? About where I co- compare the earth to uh, cancer? Because... What you're talking about when you travel, you're talking about metastases. When cancer cells spread from one part of the body to another part. So you're, you're having that phenomenon where you're saying, oh, Los Angeles kind of being copied and pasted into another part of the earth. As metastasis, this idea, this, this mindset, this uh, culture is spreading to other parts of the body and, and it's just copying itself. And then we're taking resources from the healthy part of the body which is like the parts that still have natural areas where we can use resources because everything else has kind of been taken up. They take the resources and they channel them instead of like giving it to the body, they channel it to the tumors, which is these cities that we erect because that's where all the energy is going to feed this mindset, you know? And it's just like a phenomenal thing to, to observe because I've done that too. I've been through uh, Costa Rica, uh, Mexico, Belize, all these different countries and... I just see more of kind of where I came from or or at least a direction towards there, right? Like that's where they're trying to move towards. That's what they kind of idolize in a way, uh, the culture of of the U.S. because that's what's pushed, you know, and and that's kind of what they see and they glorify in a way because that's what's on TV and that's what uh, they want to allude to, you know? And so it's like, I see people from America going to these countries being like, man, y'all had to figure it out we need to be more natural and then the people from those countries are like well i'm trying to get to america so i can have all the stuff that you just left you know and so it's just like it's such an interesting thing for me to observe
0: i I traveled to guatemala actually you know for that same intention because i wanted to i wanted to see uh people living closer to our original configuration our original nature and I mean, it was it was an incredible journey. I mean, it was, it was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, and the people were so kind, and they were genuinely much closer to a sense of connectedness, to a sense of this very fundamental, just profoundly simple, like, truth that everybody there just kind of had this realization that everybody looked each other in the eyes. They kind of realized, like, okay, we're all here, whether we like each other or not. We all kind of share this space, you know, where in New York City you're walking down the street, Nobody looks anybody in the eye. You know, it's like people are trained to disconnect themselves, to harden themselves off, to protect themselves from having to care about all these people because that is our instinct to care about the people around us. And it was so—I mean, that that journey to Guatemala really changed me. You know, and I—I I, I was disgusted at, at at the other white people that were there with me, at the tourists that were not there to learn, that were not there to connect with themselves, their true selves, and seeing the peoples of these places as. Teachers as people who are closer, who are more advanced, they were just there to party and to take advantage of this beautiful country. And the people who live there couldn't even appreciate and use their own their you you know not use but enjoy their own country. They had to serve these people, these ungrateful just suckers, these leeches that were coming to their their country. One of the the most depressing things. I saw there was the health of the people there that they were eating fast food. They were eating the fried chicken. And I got this interview. I I made a, I was filming the whole thing. Uh, Someday I'll, I'll release it. I'm sure. But I was, I was interviewing this guy and he worked, he worked with uh, the local people there and he was talking about basically teaching them how to reconnect with their own indigenous ways of growing food because they have been disconnected. they have been forcibly cut off by this colonial apparatus, by this, this, you know, colonizer state that, came to their country, enslaved them, took it over, you know, literally killed their leaders and and their attempts to organize and to come together and just treats their entire country as a resource to exploit. You know, they they see that's the Western attitude that they see nature as an inventory for exploitation. And um, you said a really profound thing in one of your video, your videos that was about how indigenous perspectives on nature, it's like you don't see it as resources. You see them as relations. Could you talk about that?
1: Yeah, I think that the relationship that we tend to have with things is like, because we do accumulate things and and we tend to have this, well, let me take this back to my house. And it it becomes like an object of things that we're collecting or, or that we see potential use in. But we don't necessarily revere the plant, the animal, the tree. As its own entity, you know where a lot of traditional cultures they saw these uh, other organisms as their own people, like their own um, non-human persons and, and they treated them as such like I, I know uh, Native Americans, they referred to like the certain different plants as nations. like so if you saw like uh, a tree you might be like, oh that's the that's the Sequoia nation because you're recognizing it as a entity because you see it throughout your environment and you know that they're a certain type of organism it's not just a happenstance like you can know what kind of food it produces what are the cycles of it and it's it's a functioning organism so you and, and then on top of that you have a relationship because you come across it and and you might take some something from it you might take a fruit from it or you might take the bark from it and so this codependence starts to impact the way you perceive it. You know, like we can just go to a grocery store right now and just get anything we want. We don't have to know where it grows, what are the seasons, what different stages does that plant exhibit. Like most people probably don't know like what the full stages like of a lettuce plant are. Like if you let it to go to flower and and just fully develop, they don't know that. They only know lettuce in the form that is presented at the grocery store. So this... This connection from the, the process of, of life itself makes us relate to things differently, you know. And because we are going to the grocery store, it becomes a commodity. It becomes just another product. But say you were on the land, and you there was a certain uh, plant that was growing, and you know it only came seasonally. You would you would know very intuitively, very very uh, intimately. When that time was coming again, you would start to see the signs of it because you were, you're connected to it as a food source. So you start to develop this relationship to where it's way deeper than just a product, it's way deeper than just a food. This is a being that I have a mutual relationship with and that we affect and it affects us, you know? And so I think that that's a whole different way of perceiving other organisms than most modern people
2: so it's safe to say that the disconnection we have from nature from the process of life is exactly what's facilitating this uh death spiral that society is in because we no longer witness these evolutions and these processes that begin as a seed and come full fruit you know that serve us and give us life we don't see any of that we just see things boxed up brightly colored in plastic packages in the supermarket uh, and you know the saying goes everything we do against nature we do to ourselves and and so again separating ourselves from what is essentially a part of us you know the wilderness animals plant life and what have you is is again something that that we're it's just another mark it's just another mark against ourselves like like this this separation how, how do we how do we bridge that gap you know that becomes a question is how do we rebridge the gap that we've created through industrializing society because I believe that's what it boils down to you were, you were mentioning uh, a minute ago how people you know they tend to think well I'd rather just take this home and call it my own and they view it as a resource instead of a relationship uh, that's because our society's premise on acquisition uh, acquisition is essentially the art of possession. You know, so we have to have it, we have to own it and call it ours instead of realizing that it is, it is its own entity. And and it is uh, an organism just like we are that, that, that really requires uh, a certain level of, um, for lack of a better term, respect, regard, honor, input, care, cultivation, what have you. But again, we just thrive, well, we don't thrive, we're surviving on this exploitive relationship that we've created since the industrial age, basically.
1: Yeah. And I think that we often overlook what that does to like the human spirit, that, that experience, you know, it's just, we just look at food as food, like, Oh, we'll just put food in your body when you're hungry and that's it. But what there's something much deeper than that happening when you do have that relationship that most modern people just simply aren't experiencing. And for me, my approach, like, I don't have like this thing where I'm like, Oh, Step one, step two. Like my approach is just to change people's perspective. Because I, I believe that if you can change the way they perceive themselves in the world, that every action that they take will be a derivative of that. So if I tell people, look, you are nature, you are a part of nature, this is what you are, like like wake up and realize that I, I believe that their actions will will al- align with that. So they might go to the grocery store. Now they're looking at, well, what was somebody who's a part of the earth, a part of the, what's the best decision I can make at the grocery store? What's the best decision I can make, you know, in my relationships to be a healthy person, to be, have a healthy community? What's the best decision I can make when it comes to choosing a career or, or, or uh, offering my purpose, my service to the world? I think that that's where I'm I'm very general like i'm not the person who's teaching permaculture and teaching you know uh, regenerative agriculture even though i support those things I- i'm more focused on the mind the changing the perspective of people and getting them to even see life in a in a certain way so that they do begin to explore all these different avenues to which we through which we do reconnect
2: so considering your premise is largely based on that connection to nature i do have a burning question for you but as a striving vegan i have often wondered is there in fact a karma related repercussion in consuming uh the the animal products especially and plants, too, that are cultivated through this, this horrible, horrible, wasteful, inefficient system that just basically births animals to torture and slaughter and sell them. Uh, you know, obviously, there is the, 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 uh, the actual material logistic side of it uh, that, that deserves a whole other argument, like, you know, the inefficiencies and waste of globalization when it comes to food sources. But when it comes to the karmic, spiritual, and even physical repercussions? What, what would you say to that?
1: I believe that anything can be done in a harmonious way and a non-harmonious way. And obviously, the most sustainable people throughout time have eaten animal foods. They were just not doing it in the manner that is done today. So we know that there is a way that animal foods can be procured which have a harmonious impact on the environment, on the ecology. In the same way, with plants is the same thing. There's a harmonious and non-harmonious way that that can be done. So I don't think it's it's about the kingdom of life that we're that we're taking. It's about how we're taking it. So because we uh, have the perspective and perception that we do, anything that we do is tainted from 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 we because we're already starting from a disconnection from the natural world so if we plant uh plant foods we're just asking ourselves well how can we grow this the biggest um how can we make the most profit and and that's the bottom line right there's not much talk of like well what are the repercussions long term to the environment to the soil and to the health of the people consuming these foods those are like secondary and tertiary questions if ever asked um, so the same thing is done with animal foods. For me, it's not about the kingdom of life, it's about how we do anything. So uh, you know, there's people who are doing, you know, regenerative agriculture who are putting, you know, certain nutrients back in the soil using an, um, animal grazing and stuff like that. You know, I think that that's all important. I think that this is a it's a very it's a community of things coming together to create balance in an environment. And, and that's how it's supposed to be. And, you know, and I was vegan for five years, so I really got to embrace and, and see, you know, see that part of myself and embrace that part of myself. Uh, so I just shifted kind of my perspective on on that, you know, recently. Um, but, but yeah, I think it really just comes down to how we do things. It's not about what we're doing, it's how we're doing it. Anything could be done uh, right if we just have that starting point like if we just start from knowing and understanding that we, that that we're part of this natural cycle we will we'll respect and honor things in a way that we would, wouldn't if we do, didn't know that or didn't remember
0: i think it's interesting the uh the perspective of thinking about every every decision you make filtering that through the perspective of the earth i think that's personally one of the most profound shifts that that i Was able to come to, and I think I came to that through travel, through uh, basically just dissolving myself into these enormous landscapes, and and really going from place to place to place, and realizing like this earth is my home, you know, this is the only true home that I'll ever have. I mean, people ask me where I'm from a lot. People ask me where you know where I live or where I want to settle down. I just can't really imagine settling down and picking one place because I really, and I hope that this isn't a I I, I I you have to be vigilant when walking down this road to not walk the colonizer's walk and be like oh the whole earth belongs to me because it's not a it's not a relationship of belonging and and ownership but it's like we 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 belong to the earth everywhere and and this is our home and to really have the earth in mind with every single thing that we do you know starting small you know at our what we eat what we consume how we shop and things like that i mean i think those are ultimately kind of smaller they're secondary to what is the belief system that we are living for are we living and supporting a system that is fostering the growth and 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 the health of the earth or are we supporting one that is destroying it and it's like so many people put put forth veganism as a solution to climate change and i think it it in many ways i mean we absolutely need to massively limit the amount of meat that is eaten the way that it's it's fostered and grown and cultivated it's horrible our food system is terrible but i think a lot of people select that because it is a consumption choice that they can change the way that they're spending money and tell themselves i'm saving the world now when in reality it's the whole matrix of buying and selling and commodification and the whole monocropping system it's the whole consumer cycle that is the problem there is no no ethical way to consume our way out of this crisis because we we will forever remain in this consumer model where we are devouring the earth we're taking from it we're not living for the earth and to anyone listening i really just I just encourage you to start asking that question you know putting that filter before your actions and thoughts and behaviors you know what am i living for truly because so many of us, we're living for capitalism, we're living for this system, we're living without even realizing it, we're, we're supporting this system that is destroying life on earth, that is reducing every precious and sacred thing to something that is, a, you know, a dollar sign. And, you know, wh- whether we are going about our lives, you know, saying, okay, I'm, I'm trying to live mindfully, I'm trying to live whatever, I'm on a spiritual path, your adherence to this this financial structure, this edifice, this deeper culture that is so unquestioned, goes so much deeper than that. And I think before any of us take that step to be like, oh, okay, I'm living for the earth, I'm on a spiritual path, we need to really question the systems that we are adhering to.
1: Yeah, no, that that's, that's a really good point. Um, so, so with the whole, with the veganism, right? Um, and this idea that you, because I put it this way, like you're basically just shopping from a different aisle in the grocery store. And, and I think that any solution that's a true solution is very hard, if not impossible to commodify, like to, to turn into a commodity. Um, and that's what's happening with veganism, right? Like now it's just, these uh, a plant-based meat alternatives. And, and we just kind of see the whole system kind of capitalizing on this social movement. So it's just kind of becoming another tool for that same system, right? Like the, the thing that it was supposed to kind of change and, and so it becomes like this um, self-defeating thing where because to me, anytime we outsource something, it just becomes challenging to track, right? So if somebody else is growing my food, I don't know how they're growing it. They might be telling me they're doing this or doing that. I'm just wary of things that can be easily commodified because I think at the end of the day, the more responsibility we kind of reclaim, that's really the name of the game. Like, If, if I can reclaim producing food, growing food, um, if I can reclaim uh, my health, all these things just takes responsibility off of the system. That's the reason why we're in the situation we're in, because we have outsourced all of our responsibility to the system, so the system t- tells people how to be healthy. It, it, um, it, it took over people's health. It took over people's food. It took over people's education. We have to slowly start to reclaim those things, so we have to teach our children we have to become educators we have to grow or harvest food from the environment build a relationship with that we have to do all these things for ourselves and the thing is that that's work that that takes energy that takes dedication it takes discipline so for people who are already in that system it's like well i already have this system set here i just want to operate within the bounds of it so if you bring in like something like veganism it becomes a pretty easy transition i i can just choose different foods now to where i if like, say, for instance, like you're trying to become a homesteader and you start in New York, that's going to change the whole trajectory of your life. Like, you're probably going to have to relocate somewhere. You probably have to buy property. You're going to have to learn how to really grow food and produce food. Like, it just becomes a whole different lifestyle that I think most people aren't really willing to take on. So, it just kind of becomes like, well, what can I do from the most comfortable position? You know, and so uh, I question that a lot of times and some of my content does get into that and I get a lot of backlash because obviously people don't want to be told that what they thought was like the ultimate solution may not be end-all be-all
2: well of course i have to speak up uh for myself and other vegans or striving vegans that see it a, a lot differently uh i totally agree with you and marlo gorgeous points that you all made so very articulately about the fact that veganism has become just another trend it's just another commodification another form of convenience because of like you said um you know the freezer aisle the the veganism aisle the the whatever the plant-based meats and stuff you you can still have the same food you essentially had before you made the switch because of innovations like the plant-based meats and that's all fine and good but myself personally and a lot of others I'm sure would attest have gotten into veganism to make that reconnection to nature like it started from an empathetic place you know like oh my gosh I can't bear what's happening to these animals by the millions each year um, you know not to mention what it's doing to my health and the health of the planet and the health of my community so it started an empathetic place and so like myself personally the way I practice it is I try to stick to a whole plant-based diet and I try to raise most of the food that I eat and I try to to propagate that that mindset and that concept to my community sorry. So that they're not just sucked right into the commodity vacuum. They're not just like, oh, okay, it's this will be easy. I'll just shop over here instead of over there. So I think that it is still possible to subscribe, if you will, to these um, to these different forms of nutrition and lifestyles without falling into, you know, the, the commodity vacuum. Uh, you just, again, like you said, have to have the discipline. And, and the mindset that's geared toward the greater good, not just your good and not just convenience.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think you're doing it right, Amanda. I mean, you're really putting a lot of effort and intention into you know, get, regaining that actual connection with nature. Like somebody going to the grocery store and buying a pack of Beyond Burgers and throwing them in the microwave isn't connecting anybody with nature. And I think anybody who thinks that that's enough, you're not, it's just not. It's good. It's a good thing. I mean, honestly, I think a lot of those soy products are, you know, grain fed. They're using monocrops. They're just, they're in their own way destructive on a probably comparable scale to, you know, industrial farming, feedlot meat, which is terrible. I mean, it's a horrible thing. The way that animals are raised today is a, a sin that is unimaginable. It is terrible. The, the difference between a farmer on an organic farm raising cattle that are allowed to roam, that are able to nurture the soil, that are able to, you know, live an actual life where they're able to, to you know, move in the, in the natural way and be among their, their own kind and live in the sun. I think that's a completely different thing altogether. I think factory farming itself is, is, an, is it, it's an extreme version of humanity's ability to totally just say, oh, these beings, they are lesser than us. They're not as important as we are. They're not as intelligent as we are, whatever. And and they're totally justified in killing and eating them and basically seeing them as their whole purpose is to be killed and eaten outside of any ecological context, outside of living a life. They're just raising them in a prison cell to eat. And that is completely wrong.
2: Right. And myself. Personally, I don't even have a problem with people eating meat. It's just the factory farming. And I think that the factory farming itself speaks volumes to how disconnected we are to the process of life. If nothing else does, I think that does. But we certainly don't want to have an entire episode based on veganism. So uh, <laughs> I'm happy to move on if you all are.
0: Ketzal, I, I wanted to talk to you on this show, or I wanted to talk to somebody about this This uh, for a while is kind of indigenous perspectives on money. And on this show is called Moneyless Society. It's sort of premised on the shift away from the monetary system to a new way of organizing things, and that has been sort of a long a long held kind of intuitive assumption that you know it's not even an assumption it's a fact that the, the majority of human life we didn't use money to organize ourselves, and I think getting like getting back to nature is a more prime way of getting back home, getting back to our true self. I think moving beyond money as something unnecessary as something that is um like a vestigial organ or a tumor or something that is like this parasitic adaptation is something that's totally necessary. So what, what is the, uh, the indigenous perspective uh, or, or just your perspective on the use of money?
1: This is kind of how people interpret this, this idea of, of no money. Um, and I believe things should be free to access, but I, I think that there's always going to be an energetic exchange with anything, right? Like people like groceries, fruits, vegetables, There's a process to that. Even if you are not growing it, even if you're getting it from the wild, there's a process to get there that is required from your body to look for the food, climb the tree if you need you whatever, to harvest it, process it, make it edible. It's, It's all an energetic exchange. So I know people throw this word around a lot in the community, calorically an exchange happening for you to harvest and get food from the environment to consume that energy. And that's what the thing that people are argue, like, well, there's not really no value and it's not really backed up by anything. Like if I want, we want to trade this, then, then we can do that. We need that money piece. Um, And to me, it really comes down again to how we do things. Capitalism can be done consciously. The way it's done today is a derivative of a disconnection from the earth. And we haven't even began to explore the possibilities of what a conscious capitalistic society i'm not saying that that's what i'm pushing for but i'm saying that that that, that's not something that most people think about they just think well let's dismantle the whole system so when we're talking about uh, indigenous tribes it's bigger than that i think the reason people don't have an issue with money is because that they're not in their purpose It doesn't matter if you're in a socialist capitalist society or if you're in the middle of the jungle you're just not going to be fulfilled because you don't know why you're here or why you exist but I think that money becomes a more relevant when people are out of their purpose. So it's like at money as a, an exchange system. I have services that I offer, but the core of why I act out into the world and what offer the world doesn't come from fire more of that capital. It's not based in that. So, you know, so, so that's why that's how I look at it. Like, like, the core of who I am is focused on that. Although I do use that as a system, but for me is like, like put me anywhere on earth under any system, and I'm gonna do the best that I can, and I'm gonna. I feel like I will thrive because I have a sense of who I am and what I'm here to do. And if you, if I could hold that throughout any system, I think that I would experience a certain level of, of fulfillment and gratification. Money is just a, a tool. Like it's just. The system that we use, but obviously there's flaws within that uh, on many levels, and we could talk about that as well.
0: I think we're both probably chomping at the bit to uh, to respond to that. Uh, I I relish that perspective. Um, my my dad and I have this discussion a lot, where he says, "I believe you know you can be conscious capitalist," and I I just tell him, "Well, dad, that's an oxymoron. I mean, it's a it's a systemic contradiction." I don't know. It's kind of this this question of like if a spiritual awakening could occur on a mass level and people could genuinely be you know, grounded and can reconnected to that true self, that true nature, that true understanding and and consciousness of the interrelations in their lives that the system itself would all be obsolete. But I think the system as it exists today, it thrives on lack and scarcity and inequality and endless growth to the to the extent that it's always going to attempt to divide people, separate people, see resources as that inventory for explo- exploitation. And, it, and it's, it's always going to end up putting people into situations that further and further alienate them from the ground, from their interconnection with everyone around them
2: because essentially capitalism is a machine of convenience, as we know. And even if there were some way to consciously execute the mechanisms of capitalism, uh, we're only going to further and further separate ourselves from nature, would be my understanding and my assumption, because as convenience through innovation continues to evolve, whether or not profit continues to be the main goal or not, we're just going to continue to uh, further, further divide ourselves from nature. But uh, what I like to boil it down to is two very simple "if this, then that" type of thing. Like, can cautious capitalism like fully absolve inequality? Versus, how quickly would inequality cease to exist if we lived in a society, a systems design, which everyone had access to the same quantity and quality of everything? Like, it's kind of hard to say that conscious capitalism or any form of monetary exchange could do better than a systems design that is completely open access?
0: Well, I, I think essentially what a resource-based economy is, is it's it's tethering value to the real resources of the earth. And I think that the money system as it exists today, and I'm doing a lot of research on this. I'm not the, bad, the most articulate person to talk about this, but I was just reading last night and it, it's it's like, it feels like a conspiracy. I ha- every time I read about the actual functions of the monetary system, I'm like, is this fucking- is this real? Right? Is this a conspiracy? It's this like sounds insane. This sounds like something that 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 people in robes underneath like a crypt, like by candlelight with masks <laughs> are like creating. But it's basically that the whole money system functions on debt. It's it's literally it is literally based on nothing. It's based on debt. It's it's there the I'm not gonna get Too deep into the whole Federal Reserve and all that, but basically, if debt was taken out of the economy altogether, if there was a debt jubilee and all debts were forgiven, there would be zero dollars circulating in the in the economy. So the whole economy functions, the, the deep functions of it, the the driving force of it is that continued lack, is that continued lack of something that is created, that it you know, and it creates the need, and then it profits off of that need endlessly. And it's it's a huge rabbit hole. It's one of the deepest rabbit holes you can go down. But I, I really, truly recommend everybody to to ask those questions. To really question how does our money system work? Because you know we have this we have this view, you know, on the day to day basis of the way that we interact with each other and spend money. And I you know I go to the corner store and I give you know the the the, the person working at the register money and I get an apple or whatever. And that seems sort of no, no normal. Or it's like even say I'm the farmer. I grow the food. I sell the crops and then I have money that gives me the resources to buy more tools and all those other things. That's what it would be like for us on our small level if we were not in this you know, massive, super stratified construct where people are juggling with billions and billions of dollars. And I think as we, we're sort of continually uncovering in this show that when systems like that are able to exist, they continually expand and increase the levels of inequality because there's always a lack and there's always somebody who is gaining advantage over somebody else. So inequality is the natural byproduct of that system. And I, I think we could do this system more, more equitably. I, d- I know we could. It's so unethical. It's so unequal. It's so wrong in every way. Any, any improvement is something that I would really relish. And I think any, any improvement would naturally sort of tilt us toward getting in, back in touch with our true abundance, the true abundance of our actual capacities. But I, I don't I don't believe that capitalism as it exists in a, in any theoretical or practical form can exist without becoming that incredibly stratified, unequal, destructive beast that's devouring everything. That's really made us into commodities, that's made us into objects and you know, beings that we put, a, we put a price tag on. We put a, a value judgment on us as humans instead of saying we are this earth, we are all our relations, we are everything in this world, and we are boundless in that way. And that's what it truly means to me to be free and to be human,
1: to be to be the earth. If you ask me about capitalism, I say consciousness. Because if I have to operate with the capitalism, I'm going to do it to the terms of, of who I am. You guys are operating under capitalism as well, right? Like you... Your day-to-day life. I hear you like you're for, you know, a different system. I'm for changing myself and, and being more focused on that aspect. So when you ask me about capitalism, I ask myself, well, what's the best form that I can do that in? What's the best way existing under that system at this current moment, not saying that that's something that I want to continue but what can I control this moment? Well, it's the way I do business. So I'm going to do it in a way that's conscious, that's ethical, that's to the best of my ability under that system. Right. So that's kind of how I look at everything. Um, I always bring it back to myself because I just think that sometimes I get a little overwhelmed by wanting change. And a lot of people that stagnates them from their own self-development because they're like, well, you know, once uh, you know, once we need to change the system and they, they're not really truly doing work on a personal or internal level because they think that that's going to come as a derivative of the system changing. But I, I look at it backwards. I think that if people change themselves, so if we have more people that do do capitalism in a conscious way, that starts to shift the, the mindset of, the collective consciousness to where we might make that system obsolete or we might develop a different system, but we're not gonna wait until that system shifts to start doing the best that we can. You know, that's that's how I look at it. That's why I answered that question. I'm glad
2: you chose to expound on that. Um, obviously you exemplify how we we do have a choice. We still have uh, many limits, but we do have a choice and, and not to put the burden of, you know, climate change and, uh, war and, and an economic, uh, collapse and stuff on every each and on every individual, because, you know, that's what, that's the corporation's, uh, proxy you know they, they shove all of that responsibility on us but you're right it, it does start on an individual level to a degree and while conscious capitalism shouldn't be the end goal it could be a step on the way to the new and better system that that facilitates a happy and healthy environment for everyone and that's where the resource-based economy comes in and you were cutting out a minute ago and i don't know if you ever said if you did or did not know about that term but just in case you don't and for the viewers who may still not know about it it's basically a systems design in which everyone has access to the same quality and quantity of the products that they need to survive and then some and and ironically it is the most not only sustainability oriented but the most nature oriented systems design because resources such as food water shelter and energy natural energy are responsibly managed obviously those resources become relationships you know they they turn into that relationship like you were talking about earlier we we actually facilitate relationships with the resources that that sustain us in a resource based economy
0: i think it's it's this is an interesting conversation i kind of had this in the back of my mind i thought i felt like we might we might get to this territory but it's this for me it's the question it's like chicken and the, and the egg thing it's like do we change the system that is because it, we're not we 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 do all have this deep Personal responsibility to take direct accountability for our actions, for our consumer choices. You know, saying there's no ethical consumption under capitalism doesn't give you license to just go, you know, consume horribly and eat eat McDonald's and all that stuff. You should try to be ethical and, and conscious, truly conscious of all of your behaviors and actions. And I think we do have a deep responsibility there. And, but I have this 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 kind of you know inner qualm or query of where that begins. Does it begin with a small and and I think I, I, I defer to Martin Luther king uh, in in one of my favorite quotes ever. He says, uh, basically, change will come not from the majority. Change will come from uh, a rebellious minority, basically. it's the change starts on the individual level, I think, in all of us deciding this system is not me and does not represent me. It does not represent my values. so, You know, I I, and I know a lot of people who aren't who would say I'm an anarchist, I'm a communist, I'm a socialist, whatever. Who are not taking personal responsibility for their actions and who are not moving ball forward on their own personal growth and development. And it's keeping that movement, all those movements, it's holding them back immensely because these people are still trapped in, you know, the the ego system and not working to reconnect with the ecosystem. And I, I think it it's this balance between. Getting ourselves to the point where we are conscious, really conscious, and I, I think a lot of that, the preconditions of consciousness are meeting those most basic needs. That it's almost impossible to gain consciousness or to ascend consciously or, or whatever the terms people use are when you are hungry. You know, I mean, unless you are you're in the desert fasting and doing it intentionally. If you're living in an unintentional way, you're not in control of your own actions. You're ultimately subject to the scarcity that drives your existence and the competition and the struggle for survival. You're not going to ascend. So it's this balance between we need to work together collectively to make sure that our needs are met on a level that we can continue to go up that stair of personal development and personal growth. Because truly, if enough people do connect with that consciousness and and understand that, yes, we can do better. Yes, everyone deserves uh, the dignity of food, water, shelter. Yes, we need to validate our environment and we need to take care of it. Yes, we are connected on this level, not in just this broad woo-woo, oh we're all one, but like actually we are all on this earth. It's a lot bigger and a lot smaller than all of us thinks it is. And we we have to come together to change. We really like we, we uh, I think there's a quote by bell hooks. She said basically change does not occur individually ever. It never does. I mean, I think anybody who has gone through a transformation, you know, you didn't get there alone. You know, there's these people that have these narratives that I pulled myself up out of this, blah, blah, blah. But you had a community. You had support that all of us, we need each other. And I think that reconnecting with that and, and seeding our personal development in interdependence, I think, is, is really going to get us there. But I truly value your perspective. I really do. And I think I think so many people who do, you know, align and spend a lot of time and energy on that collective shift alignment, do need to look inward and do need to develop themselves personally. Totally. And I just think we all need to come together and learn and share. That's it. That's what it is. It's very simple.
1: Absolutely. And I think that everybody has their own purpose. You know, like when I speak and I represent my own perspective, that's just me. You know, that's just my approach to life. Some people might resonate with it and others might not. But I think that everybody is playing the role that they're supposed to be playing, so you know, for anybody listening, like this is the role that I've chosen to embody um, in this lifetime, but I think that there's valuable roles that aren't diff- that are different than mine and, and that I'm not going to align with, but that others might gain, gain value and, and fulfillment from. Um, and like you're talking about like speaking more to the collective. uh uh, and making that shift like that's why i say a lot of times i'm not the one that's going to be pushing for legislation and doing things like that uh that's just not my purpose you know but there is others who whose purpose that is Who they do feel like a sense of fulfillment of drafting legislation and speaking to people who are in that realm as far as you know the legal aspect of it um i'm definitely more like of a a self-development spiritual person who's kind of more focused on on, on, you know, harnessing the potential of the individual and letting that emanate into the collective. But I think equally too, like you said, there needs to be a people who are speaking to the collective to make collective changes. It's just, they both feed one another, you know?
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I'm not, I'm not the one that's going to be pushing for legislation either. I think, I, I think I just, I'm just totally past all faith in that system, that ego system. I thought of that 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 term while i was i was uh cooking dinner preparing for the show that we live in an ego system and not an ecosystem and politics right now is all about ego and it's all about the the expansion of the control and the stranglehold that they have on this system i think and this is kind of one of our central premises of this show is that people forming their own functioning systems and moving away from the existing system meeting their own needs i mean that you know performing mutual aid on our communities helping our communities meet their most basic needs because when we meet those needs you know we we gain this incredible power of our true potential that our true potential is so limited by this system that only sees us as you know a cucumber to rip out of the ground and chop up and put on its salad <laughs> if it's even that healthy but we you know we can transcend this and i think us connecting with our true self, you know, the the self in the individual, the personal, but also the self in the, like in the Hindu context or in the context that Carl Jung talked about, where the self is collective consciousness. It's all life. It's the, it's the matrix of all existence, of everything living, everything on this earth, everything, every person that has ever lived and ever will live, that that is the self, that a self is consciousness. That's what we are here to realize is consciousness and not in this very... I don't know that there's just so much, the the new age movement is so fraught with hypocrisy and, and egotism that I know so many people that are, they claim to be in this conscious movement, but they're not even conscious of the ways that these systems, these economic systems, these self-seeking systems are just totally like a cancer occupying their development. And I, I just, I think true connection to that self, to that nature within, like you're talking about is an antidote to to so much ideology to so much of the the trappings of these systems that we think of as normal we think oh this is normal this is who i am but it's not
2: i would want to challenge our listeners to heed everything that barlow has said and add to that a little bit of action a little bit of homework like if you could just take 5 minutes a day and through your daily activities, your routines, your usual errands and stops, choose one of them and ask yourself how much sense it makes. How rational is the process you're going through? What are the uh, caveats involved? What what are the inconveniences? How irrational is it really? You know, just kind of ask yourself those questions about just one thing that you do every day or a couple of times a week. And through that, uh, perhaps a bit abstractly, but you you will begin to understand and interreflect inherently because you'll be like, well, this is what's con- inconvenient about what I'm doing, whatever that is, and this is why it's inconvenient to me. And then you start to realize all of the things around you that are incredibly irrational and ill designed. And and just how unsuitable the environment is that we live in now and of course you'll end up down the rabbit hole but ideally you'll you'll begin to instead question yourself and doubt yourself you'll start to build confidence in yourself and understand that you are not you know um you're not crazy for feeling these ways. You're not crazy for having these questions about your environment. Um, you're not crazy for wanting to, you know, spend more time in nature or wonder more about yourself. You know, it's not a fanatical thing. It's not a, you know, like Disneyland thing for you to want to sit and think about the stars or where you came from exactly or what kind of tree that is in your yard like people tend to just just say "Ah, well you know you're wasting your time you're daydreaming you're not being productive you know when your mind trails off on things like that but really it's very important that we we take a few minutes very often to just look around and say why are things the way they are why am i having to stand in this line you know, why am I having to drive 20 miles to this to this doctor's office or something like that, and just really contemplate the designs around you, and that will inherently lead you inward and 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 give you some answers.
0: Just to think about every single object in your world as coming from the earth, and thinking about where that where it got there, and and the human hands that shaped it, you know, through totally exploitative practices, and the ways that it was ripped from the the heart of your mother, from your mother's breast, it was ripped out and tortured into the shape that it is now so that you can consume it thoughtlessly and throw it away. Uh, Quetzal, I think we are, we are kind of running out of time here. I think this has been a really great episode, but I just like to ask you if if you want to round us out here with any words of wisdom or advice or teaching for our our listeners or for us, because I'm, I'm learning a lot. I, I love conversations like this and I love, uh, I love the acceptance and the the humble acceptance that we are all on our own place and our own path. And, um, we just have we have so much to learn from each other we have nothing to gain by saying i know it all and you know there's only one way that's correct
1: all Right? yeah no, i very much appreciate this conversation as well you know and i'm glad that we can both recognize our purpose and as individuals and realize that as that they both play a role within the collective you know and that we're not all here for the same thing but we in a way we are right we're not doing the same exact thing, but we are ultimately all aligning ourselves with what I would call balance, which is what I teach, staying balanced, because that's what nature is. Nature is just perpetual balance. And yeah, I just wanted to, I know I you gave some homework, but uh, there's an app to, um, there's many apps, but you can get an app on your phone where it'll identify plants. So, you know, if you want to go outside and, and take pictures of plants, it'll tell you what the plants are. Uh, the one I have is called Picture This. <clears throat> but I think that that would be a helpful tool for people to just start exploring. It's, it gives you an excuse to start exploring, just to get to know the, the plants. But Then further than that, you might learn about some of the uses. And once you start using it, that's when you develop a relationship with that plant, that organism. Just pick one. Pick Pick one thing that you can start to develop a relationship with because that's going to shift your perspective. And every time you go outside, now you're going to see that plant. And it's not just going to be a weed anymore. It's not just going to be this thing that you walk past. It's going to start to be a person-like organism that has its own characteristics, its own properties, and that exists out there in the world and that you might have just been walking past this world, never acknowledging it. But I'm just, you know, inviting people to start to acknowledge the natural world, the trees. It doesn't matter if you're in the city. That tree genetically is a derivative of, of nature, just like we all are. We are on the phylogenetic tree of life. We're literally all relatives. We're all related. We all come from the same A, C, T's, and Gs that make up our DNA, the nucleotides. And so when we realize that, it's like we really are related. It's not like the spiritual. No, it's like a literal scientific fact that we are all related. And the more we realize and embrace that, that is going to make sure that we take care of ourselves and our relatives here on earth.
2: I would recommend uh, listeners to take your advice and start. I know, I know, I think a good suggestion would be to start with like the aloe vera plant. That's really, really easy start for some people because, you know, it's a, it's a it's a succulent, it's really easy to care for, and I think it's a great way to start that reconnection because it is a healing plant. So you get a sunburn, you get a bee sting, you get a mosquito bite or whatever, and you use that aloe vera plant to to, to, to heal that spot, to soothe that spot, to, to treat the symptoms, to get myself familiarized with, with the plant kingdom and to make myself feel connected to it. I think that's a great one.
0: And, and the poison sting of our anxiety, the true balm to that is, is this this realization that we are the earth that that this is all of us you know that we are not confined to our body or our little room and our little house or our little job or our little commute this is that's not what we are confined to and this whole earth is and should be this this marvelous you know kingdom for us to explore for us to connect with for us to realize because when we travel through this earth when we experience each other when we See a new place and and connect with a new plant. We are connecting with ourselves. We're connecting with with what we're here on this earth, I believe, to learn, which is life.
2: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Moneyless Society Podcast, and a special thanks to Wild Ketzel for this sacred conversation. A link to his YouTube can be found in the description box below. We so enjoy putting forth the effort to establish solid and sincere connections with our listeners. After all, our podcast is listener-supported, and we believe that such connections would be inherent in a system that values life and recognizes that the world around us is an extension of ourselves, that we are nature, and nature is us. We must build systems that not only foster that connection, but that don't exploit the world, systems that utilize the world's resources instead, in a way that everyone is provided for If you would like to support these systems being built, it starts with discussing them and bringing awareness to the systemic issues that prevent life on Earth from being a paradise. You can support our efforts by simply engaging with our posts on Moneyless Society Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or by subbing to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Moneyless Society. Even a $5 sub goes a long way. We also have a website at www.moneylesssociety.com where you can find resources to help you fulfill your highest goals. In solidarity, be well.